Hey, welcome to Advent season. Welcome to week one of four. Uh, as you heard, we get to uh, uh, experience, because the light has come, we have hope, peace, joy, love, and ultimately life. And uh, as Eric said, we, uh, we don't have the slides behind us, and so you guys may have always wondered why I bring up these papers why every week does David always have papers? And maybe you've never wondered that, and I'm just going to share why I do it anyway. But, but there are PowerPoint slides on these sheets of papers for these very moments when technology fails us, and I still need to look at PowerPoint slides. So, hence, here we are. Because I'm going to sing a couple songs. I felt like since Eric sang... Last week, or a couple weeks ago, I felt like I needed to sing some songs as well. Um, And there's been a few highlights over the years. Um, But before I sing, just building the anticipation here, the hope. Uh, When you guys think of Advent, what, what is the meaning of Advent? When we celebrate Advent, what is that? What are we celebrating? What is what does the word Advent mean? Any takers? Oh, come on. That's it. The arrival and the coming. Great job, Julie. So, so my kids love opening up these little things right here. You guys have these at home? So we went to Target last year, and, uh, and it was on clearance, not this very thing, but we got these little bells on a Christmas tree for like just a couple bucks, like super, super clearance. I'm all about the deals. And so Julie... You can count down your 25 days because Advent, the arrival, the arrival and the coming of our Savior, that we sit behind, between these two massive realities, that we sit between Jesus' first coming and his second coming, that his first arrival and we long for his second arrival when we get to sit between those two massive realities. And so... <laughs> What, what else, what better way to celebrate than with some wonderful Christmas songs? Just like Eric said, the Christmas station is pumping in the Bartosic home. Alexa, play Christmas music, has become a constant phrase in the Bartosic home. And, uh, and I, I thought about a few of my favorite songs. And after putting two of them down, I realized they were both by a guy, at least recently sung, by a guy named Bing Crosby. Does that name mean anything? Ah, I was thinking love Bing. So, so the first song that struck me is, uh, is White Christmas. You guys know how it goes? I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know Rick, sign me up for worship team. Why, why have I not been called up to the big leagues yet? And then a second... Um, another classic, another classic, let's make sure we get the lyrics right here, but, uh, but come, they told me, pa-rum-pa-pum-pum, our newborn king to see, pa-rum-pa-pum-pum, our finest gifts we bring, pa-rum-pa-pum-pum, there we go. And so there's, there's been another recent song that has struck me this holiday season. Well, not this, recently. 
It used to be one that I hated. Like, it would come on the station, I'm like, skip that song. Let's, let's play Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer or something. Forget that song. But, but recently, it's been striking me as just a powerful, a powerful message. And it's, it's the song, Oh Holy Night. And so let me, read, let me read these lyrics for us. Oh Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Pining. A couple meanings for the word pining. Pining is in like longing for a loved one, pining for their love. Or what could be actually here is pining is in withering or, 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 or decaying. This pining under what? Long lay the world in sin and error, pining, losing hope. But, a th- but till he appeared and the soul felt its worth, a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices. Does it feel like 2020 has been a weary season? I just think of this year and the weariness of, of graduation ceremonies that, that, that uh, never happened, uh, that weddings that have either been delayed or, uh, or canceled, um, and, the, and the celebration that would have been uh, funerals and, uh, and the loss of loved ones and even the possibility of not being able to celebrate the life of that loved one. Um, it feels like it has been a weary, weary season. Um, and yet there's something about Christmas that we could claim as a diversion to the weariness of 2020. Um, I know for us, the Christmas decorations came out about two weeks earlier than, than normal, where we just felt like we were looking for some energy and some cheer. And yet what that could be is, is almost a diversion. And then we know on December 26th, uh, we're just going to return to the weariness of our world. But I love this. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices when? Till he appeared. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. And so we're going to jump into a text this morning that speaks of this thrill of hope. In the midst of a weary world, it rejoices when? If it sees Jesus. And we're going to look at an unlikely character this morning whose name is Simeon. He doesn't have the action figures that you see. He's not, he doesn't have the wise men or the shepherd accolades, Mary Joseph figurines. But I think a pivotal character in the Christmas story nonetheless. Uh, so let me read the text and then I'll pray for us as we jump in. And it comes from Luke Two, story of Simeon. Luke is the only one that records this story. Luke 2, 22 to 35. And when the time had come for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male 
who is first born. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the day of consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had before he had seen the Lord Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother, Mary and Joseph, marveled at what Simeon said about Jesus. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed. Listen to this blessing. What a blessing. What an interesting take on the hope. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So we're going to explore amid the weariness that exists for us. Who should rescue humanity from the power of sin? What is that hope we're putting our longings in the arrival of? Deliverance comes to the world when the light arrives and sets us free from both our immediate and ultimate burdens. Amid weariness... We start this Advent season with one of the most powerful realities that we long for the return of our Savior. So pray with me as we enter in this morning. God, you are so good. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. Why? If we see Jesus. So reveal yourself this morning as we walk through the, the unlikely story of Simeon and just the power that you have for us here. For your glory we pray. Amen. Amen. So, we're going to walk through the text, and I'd encourage you, crack open your Bible to Luke 2, or crack open that insert and follow along in Luke 2, because the first, the thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices if it sees Jesus, and Simeon demonstrates a reality that he was hoping for the promised Savior. Simeon was hoping for the promised Savior. Here's what Luke 2 tells us. And I love Luke. You guys familiar with Luke? So Luke Luke gives us a few witnesses. Luke 1, Luke chapter 1, Luke says this, Inasmuch as I have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word and delivered to them, it seems good to me, having followed all these things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, O most excellent Theophilus. So Luke's got this benefactor that he's writing the story of Jesus for, and he's trying to figure out what are the different parts that I should include, and he chooses to include this story of Simeon. We're asking, why Luke? Why tell us this story? And I think it has something about the thrill of hope. So verse 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. 
and had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. So there's this guy in Jerusalem. What does the text tell us about him? He's just a random guy. He's just a random guy standing by the temple. But what is true about his life? He's not going to see death until he sees the Savior. And so we see Simeon there standing in a place where all these babies would come for a certain ritual in the Jewish system. And so in verse 22, And when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And so Jesus is now seven days old. So Luke's combining a couple stories. Jewish had two, two symbolic things at the birth of a son or daughter. So for a son, seven days they would circumcise the son, and then 33 days later, or 66 days later, they would bring them for this purification ceremony. And I was so curious, why? Why, why do you need to bring a child for a purification ceremony? Why does that matter? In Leviticus 12, we see that it happens, but we don't get to see necessarily all the details of why. So why would, would Jewish families bring their kids up to this purification ceremony? I found this fascinating. John Calvin said this. He said it was because, because is, is having a kid sinful? No, God said in Genesis 1, be fruitful and multiply. And so we read in verse 22, the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses. Why? What needed to be purified? I thought this was fascinating. As a reminder that you've just given birth to a sinner. That this sinner has now entered the world. From the very time of birth, there's this recognition of a need of a Savior. Why mention that for Jesus? Why mention this detail? I thought this was fascinating potentially. That Jesus, because does Jesus need to be purified? Is he coming into the world as a sinner? No, instead, instead he's going to be the one who will purify the sins of everyone else going forward. And so this massive, massive reality of Jesus entering the world. And Simeon now is waiting for this anticipated Messiah. And I just imagine this guy standing near the temple every time one of these families would come up bringing their child. And what's going through Simeon's head? Is this the one? God, is this, is this our Savior? Is this our anticipated Messiah? Nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. And then one day, Mary and Joseph walk up. And this anticipation... Because I just picture Simeon's a lot like us. I mean, he's a guy that has his own hopes and dreams, right? He's hoping for that two-camel garage that he could go to, right? Maybe take his kids on, a, on a, maybe a Galilee vacation. He's got these hopes and longings in his own life, and yet there's still something that anchors his life. What is it? Verse 25 tells us that he longed and it would be revealed that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Christ. And then Simeon, I think we get to see, his hope was fulfilled. And there had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in, verse 27, in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought, this is free by the way, I'm going to pause here. 
Do you see the word Holy Spirit written like multiple times? We often think of the Holy Spirit not coming till a, a time called Pentecost, right, in Acts 2. And yet here we see multiple times the Holy Spirit referenced as a movement in Simeon's heart. If you want to talk about that later, I would love to geek out with you about the presence of the Holy Spirit here in this time prior to Pentecost. Let's keep going. Verse 27, and he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to the word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for the revelation of the Gentiles and the glory to your people Israel. Simeon's anticipation had been fulfilled. That he holds this baby. I don't know about you, there's just something about holding a little baby. This anticipation and how much more, I, I, I love holding other people's babies. I love holding my own babies <laughs> and looking forward to holding one come January. And there's just something about holding this baby and seeing the anticipation. Simeon's hope had arrived. And what does the text say he's filled with? Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you were prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. That what is the most important thing we should be longing for? I think Simeon is telling us about being in a relationship and being right with God. Now let your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. That Simeon was longing, hopeful, this thrill of hope in the midst of a weary world where, where man, maybe, maybe this Christmas season... Presents aren't going to be as full under the tree. And we're not going to be able to experience loved ones as fully as we want. What does Simeon say his hope was anchored in? Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace. And then he says this fascinating idea. A light for the revelation to the Gentiles. And Mary and Joseph hear these words being proclaimed to their kid. And what do they say? They marvel at this reality that's continuing to be spoken of, of this baby boy. And here's where it turns for me. Here's where the story of Simeon gets real. Because up until this point, you go, yeah, I, we've heard those stories of hope. Beautiful baby boy Jesus in a manger. I've gotten those Christmas cards. But now, Simeon seems to say something else. That he understands this baby's life would not be easy, both for the baby and for his family. That Simeon understood that the baby's life would not be easy for this baby or for his family. Here's what he says. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother. Now we do baby dedications around here, right? What do we usually say? We pray a prayer of blessing and positive uh, direction on this baby's life. I mean, I don't know if we want Simeon giving us our child dedication. Here's what he says about Jesus. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother. What's he say? 
Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. What's Simeon saying about Jesus? I thought Jesus was going to come be this great guy doing miracles, taking care of people's needs, loving people. And Simeon says it's actually going to be a real challenging life. That people will be opposed and it will be for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And Mary, not just for others, but this is going to be painful for you. Why? Because this Jesus is going to be beaten, crucified, and die. And I think of Mary wondering about that from the moment Simeon says these words. And Simeon also recognizes for me that many will not find their hope in this baby. Because I usually get those Christmas cards of sweet baby Jesus in a manger. Not Jesus carrying a sword and cutting to the heart to determine the fall and rise of your soul. For me, this Christmas season, again, I, I find myself being filled with the nostalgia of what Christmas has been. And I want the thrill of hope in the midst of weariness. And yet I'm, I'm challenged by the words of Simeon because it seems to me Jesus causes us to reflect on the true condition of our heart of where I'm finding my hope. Where is my hope being found this Christmas season? And, 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 uh, and the, the, the peace brought by Jesus is a conflicting one. Where is my peace being found? And that sword confronts the lies in my own heart of where I'm finding my hope in the thrill of hope this Christmas season. And... and and Simeon continues, and he says, not all will find their hope in this baby. Here's what he says. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own heart and soul, so that the thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. That this Christmas season, what's being revealed it's to the degree that we are finding the thrill of hope and rejoice in Jesus. And so, what can we learn about Simeon? What are your takeaways from Simeon? Here's just a few that struck me. What do we learn from Simeon about hope? Because it's not the, the typical story of Christmas that I often hear, but here's what I hear through the words of Simeon. That we actually see hope is available this Christmas season because the Savior has arrived. That hope is available. Because I look around and hope seems to leak, right? I put my hope in something and it might fail. The weariness of this season seems to drag on. What am I putting my hope in that come December 26th will actually still be here? I think in the story of Simeon, we see that hope is available. But also, that hope isn't found everywhere. 
and that nothing is more important than embracing this Savior. So there's a story that strikes me every Christmas season. Uh, you may have heard a pretty familiar story, and I want to read it because it reminds me of that reality, that hope isn't available everywhere and causes me to embrace the Savior. And here's the story. Let me read it for us. Many years ago, there was a wealthy man who shared a passion for art collecting with his son. They had priceless works by Picasso and Van Gogh adorning the walls of their family estate. And as winter approached, war engulfed the nation, and the young man left to serve his country. Only a few short weeks, his father received the telegram that his son has died. Distraught and lonely, the old man faced the upcoming Christmas holidays with anguish and sadness. The joy of the season had vanished with the death of his son. And on Christmas morning, a knock on the door awakened the depressed old man. And as he walked to the door, the masterpieces of art on the walls only reminded him that his son was not coming home. As he opened the door, he was greeted by a soldier with a large package in his hands who said, I was a friend of your son. I was one of the ones he was rescuing when he died. May I come in for only a few moments? I have something to show you. The soldier mentioned that he was an artist and then gave the old man a package. And the paper gave way to reveal a portrait of the man's son. Though the world would never consider it the works of a genius, the painting featured the young man's face in striking detail. Overcome with emotion, the man hung the portrait over the fireplace, pushing aside millions of dollars worth of art. His task, his task completed, the old man sat in his chair and spent Christmas gazing at the gift he had been given. The painting of his son became the most prized possession he had, far eclipsing any interest in the pieces of art for which museums around the world clamored for. The following spring, though, the old man died. The art world waited with anticipation for the upcoming auction. According to the will of the old man, all the artworks would be auctioned on Christmas Day, the day he had received the greatest gift. The day soon arrived and art collectors from all around the world gathered to bid on some of the world's most spectacular paintings. Dreams would be fulfilled that day. The auction began with a painting that was not on anyone's museum list. It was the painting of the man's son. The auctioneer asked for an opening bid, but the room was silent. Who will open the bidding with $100? No one spoke. Finally, someone said, who cares about that painting? It gets me every time, this stinking story. Who cares about that painting? It's just a picture of his son. Let's move on to the good stuff. The auctioneer responded, no. We have to sell this one first. Now who, who will take the son? Finally, a neighbor of the old man offered $10. It's all I have. But I knew the boy, so I'd like to have it. The auctioneer said, going once, going twice, gone. The gavel fell. Cheers filled the room. Someone finally exclaimed, now we can bid on the real treasures. The auctioneer looked at the room filled with people and announced that the auction was over. Everyone was stunned. Someone spoke up and said, what do you mean it's over? We didn't come here for a painting of someone's son. There are millions of dollars worth of art here. What's going on? The auctioneer replied, It is very simple. 
according to the will of the Father, whoever takes the Son gets it all. Whoever takes the Son gets it all. The thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices if they see Jesus. And I think as we start this Christmas season, this Advent season, there is a weight on our lives called sin. And this doesn't feel like it's for people that are far from Jesus or new to Jesus. This idea of repentance is something that I want to continually lean into. That's why we're celebrating baptisms next week. For a recognition that I need deliverance. I need purification. Just like those babies were brought to Jerusalem for that ceremony, there's a recognition that I'm a sinner and in need of a Savior. And Simeon reminds me, hope is not found everywhere. Nothing is more important than embracing this Savior, this Advent season. And here's our conviction. Hope can carry us through anything. Embracing the Savior empowers us for everything. In the midst of the 2020 weariness that comes, here's my encouragement, here's my hope for us as a community, that we are reminded of the reason for the Christmas season. That we, like Mary and Joseph, get to marvel at the beauty that is found in this baby And that we get to celebrate this season, not just ending on December 26th, but actually carrying us through and sustaining us with this thrill of hope. And then, and I don't know who this might be for you, but actually sharing the powerful message of hope with someone this Christmas season. That someone in your life that God may place on your heart to say, Man, do they need to hear a little bit more about why we celebrate this this season. So pray with me. God, you're so good. Thank you for who you are, what you're doing in our lives. We want to believe that whoever takes the sun has it all. That we want to lean more fully into you this Christmas season. Though we are conflicted by weariness in the midst of the 2020 year. Meet us where we are and help us take one more step towards finding our hope in you. The thrill of hope that comes from the anticipation. Both both your first coming and the thrill of hope that you're coming again. Thank you Jesus for your glory we pray. Amen.